the manger. Every year we come to this time, a season, and gather around the manger to celebrate the birth. And I just wonder, and I, I pose a question to you, what does the manger mean to you? You know, I think for some of us, it's a moment of joy. The season is a moment of joy. You know, I remember several years ago when my oldest son was younger, he loves Christmas. This is his favorite time of the year. He cannot wait for this season to come around. And when he was younger and still believes, believed in Santa Claus, he focused on that moment. And I remember one Christmas Eve, our family was gathered together at our house, and we were doing that Santa tracker. And I said, boys, kids, Santa is almost here. And at that moment, my son jumps up to the rest of our family that were there to visit. Get out of the house now! Because he was so anxious for that moment for Santa to come. And I think this moment brings joy in different ways. But yet so often our focus is transferred to other things. Presents and gifts and food we're making and making sure the house is cleaned for relatives to come over. Or maybe even this unfortunate, crazy year, our mind is going to everywhere else except for the manger. Now, what does the manger mean to you? For some of you, it may be joy. But if I am to be honest, I bet there's some of you that this manger means something different. It might mean the reality of brokenness. Because maybe in your heart this time of the year, it's hard to see the joy. Maybe because of brokenness in your life, maybe because of loss that you've dealt with, or whatever it may be, we come to the season when it's supposed to be the greatest time of the year, yet there's no joy here. And we look at the manger, and we just try to fathom, what does this mean? What does this mean to me? You know, if I am to be real with you, the manger is the reality of my deliverance from the craziness of this world. The manger is our deliverer in the flesh. You know, all the brokenness, all the pain that we may experience, this manger resembles the reality that there is delivery, that there is hope beyond this. You know, when a baby is born, there's so much excitement. And I can only imagine that moment when Jesus was born, the excitement that Mary and Joseph had, the magi who were there, or, or the shepherds, or all the other people that were gathered there in that moment, and the joy they felt. I can only uh, equate to the time that my boys were born. You know, the joy I felt when they came into the world, when my oldest son was first born, I could not wait to run out to the, to the waiting room to scream to all those there, it's a boy! Because in a baby, you see innocence. In a baby, you see God's beautiful creation as it is. Because as we get older, and the experiences that we face in life just wear us down. It just beats us down. And so many of us are just worn down by life, if we're just honest with ourselves. We're just so worn down by the circumstances. Because that's what life tends to do. As we get older, as we have more experiences, and as we face more struggles, we just get more worn down. 
physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. But yet we come to this manger. The manger that reveals there's a deliverer that has come. That hope is being revealed. You know what else this manger resembles to me? Righteousness. Righteousness in the flesh. Righteousness that has come to me and for us. You know, righteousness is really just a fancy word that really means to be right before God. That's what righteousness means. And the baby that was in this manger is just the reality and the ability and the path to be right before God. And I believe that all of us at some level in our journey, we have a desire to be right before God. I think we all do at some level. We just want to be right for God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we all kind of have different ideas of what that might be. Some of us might be thinking, well, it's if I can do some more check boxes and, and, and do the right things and be at the right church services and, and say the right words in my prayer, whatever it might be, then I can be right before God. Some of us may be thinking, well, if I can be as, as good as a person as I possibly could, that, that maybe in that moment I could be right for God. But in all reality, that's not it. You see, this manger is the way, the truth, and the life. This manger is the pathway to being righteous, to being right before God. You see, because God in his very nature is a holy God. He is holy. And so you can understand what holiness is. Holiness in his nature is the very fact that he cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot be on that, in, that, in that area, in that arena. And because we brought sin into the world, because we have all fallen short of God's glory, because we all made poor choices, and by the way, what sin is, it is poor choices that are opposite the heart of God. And we all have fallen short in that way. And because of that one maybe minor slip-up we may have had in our life, we've brought sin into our, into our arena of ourselves. And thus, because of his holiness, there's a separation. Yet despite his holiness, despite his very nature, you know what, what God wants more than anything else? He wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. And when I look at the manger, I see that reality. In the manger, God revealed the depths of his heart, the reality that he knew there is no other way. He wants to be with us because he knows our shortcomings. He knows our mistakes. He knows the ways that we will try to, to pull away from him, whether we know it or not. And all throughout the history of mankind, we try to find ways to be right before God. In the Old Testament, God, in fact, provided the law. The law was God's pathway at that time to make ourselves right before God. And people went to the, temple, uh, to the temple or before the temple to God's mobile home, which was the tabernacle. And they went to those areas to provide sacrifices in hopes that they would make themselves right before God. But all that revealed was, I'm not good enough. 
I can't earn it. I can't achieve it. And God said, there has to be another way. And that's when the manger came. The manger is God's path towards righteousness. It's his gift to the world. In all of his splendor, and all of his glory, he came here to be with us. God desperately wanted to be with us. And this manger, you know what it really signifies to me? It's God's presence. It's God's presence in this world. You know, it's written in Isaiah 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. He will be given the name Emmanuel. And you know what that name means? It means God is with us. God is with us. You know, everything that you are searching for in the moments when you feel most isolated, in the moments when you feel most alone, in the moments when you feel most broken, this manger reveals God's presence. God is with us. He's with us through it all. And here's the beauty in that. In his presence reveals his promises. In his presence We find his promises, and his promises never fail, and we see them throughout our lives. Ashley is our kids director, and Ashley, you have seen God's presence, and you have seen his promises throughout your journey. Why don't you share us a little bit about your journey? Absolutely, Bill. Um, So uh, some of you may know, not very few, it doesn't really come up in casual conversations, but I'm adopted. Um, I was adopted when I was a baby. Um, Ever since I can remember, I've known that I was adopted. And if you ask me, I think my parents did just about everything right. Um, Their unyielding support and encouragement, love and patience through what at times was really difficult with me understanding my adoption. I struggled for years feeling unworthy, not wanted. Um, I wanted my biological parents to answer questions about why didn't they want me, why didn't I belong, and I really was struggling with my identity. I think we would all agree that at some point in our life, no matter our circumstances, that we've all had similar emotions, that we all can say, man, I'm really trying to find my identity. Eventually, I was able to give up all those emotions to God. And with that came one of his promises, his promise of peace. He gave me a heavenly peace. And this peace allowed me to have gratitude. I had gratitude for my parents my entire life, but it extended now to my biological parents wholeheartedly. There was nothing that I held against them. There was no emotions that I felt. And in Ephesians 1.11, it says this, We are also chosen to belong to him. God decided to choose us long ago in keeping with his plan. He works out everything to fit his plan and purpose. 
See, all those years of unrest and questions, I could only see my plan. I tried to create my own purpose, and God gave me his peace. And when he did, he opened my heart to my identity in him. And once I aligned my path with his plan, he fulfilled yet another promise, a promise of answers. And it took years, decades, and even with all this craziness of 2020, I was united with my biological family. He works out everything to fit his plan and his purpose. His promise of peace led me to his timing and it guided me to the answers of lifelong questions that I had. See, neither my parents or my biological parents could give me the peace that I was searching for. They couldn't give me the answers of my identity. Only God's unwavering presence could do that. And so how you've seen God work through that, and how have you seen God even work more and more beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been married to my husband for about eight years now, Evan. And um, when we got married, we went to our honeymoon, came straight back, packed up my apartment in Georgia, and immediately moved 13 hours away from my family and six hours away from his family. We kind of nailed that whole leave and cleave. Yeah, we got that right. Uh, and he was, at the time, a Division I football coach. Sounds pretty glamorous, right? No, not at all. He was at the bottom of the totem pole, which meant uh, a lot of times really long hours, 16 to 18 hour days. So what did that mean for me, his young bride? It meant that I had a lot of time alone in a place where I didn't know anyone. And did I mention to you there was this new thing called snow? <laughs> and what this did is it made a recipe for depression. Um, it got pretty bad, and on one of my darker moments, Evan came home and he would ask me, how was your day? And I would reply, oh yeah, me and my new friend Fat Squirrel, who was a squirrel, uh, had pizza crust on the back deck, and I watched him gather his harvest for the winter. And uh, in, that, in those moments, Evan and I both knew I was in a pretty bad place. But again, here comes God's promises, his promise of strength and protection. See, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When I was telling Evan about this, he looked at me and he said, that verse is about temptation. You're talking about depression. Well, I don't get it. Well, for me, my depression, it was a temptation just to stay in that dark, foggy place. There was a temptation just not to get out of bed and just be. So God's promise of strength then was giving Evan the strength to lead me out of that time of darkness and giving me the strength to communicate honestly with him about my emotions. God then protected me and gave me a way of escape through his Holy Spirit, a few friends, and an unlikely connection of a family in New Jersey. See, while I was there, I picked up a few side jobs and one of them was tutoring, and I was tutoring this young girl who lived in New Jersey. And her mom told me, she came up to me and said, the Lord told her to give me this Hebronic Roots Bible, it's a Hebrew Bible. I said, okay, 
great. It was just what I needed to dive back into the Word, to get closer and closer to God. And during my studies, I learned that the Hebrew name in the Old Testament for God is Yahweh, and Yahweh means He is. And I also learned in my studies that the name Yahweh is a perpetual testimony to His faithfulness and to His promises. Thus, in its usage, it conveys the thought that God is ever-present with His people to save help, deliver, redeem, bless, and keep covenant. I am forever thankful to that New Jersey mom for her warm cookies, her wise conversations, and for her listening to the conviction of the Lord to reach out to me. God fulfilled his promises of protection and strength and never forsaking me. Even when I thought I was alone, alone, he was always there uplifting me, helping me endure. And through all these promises, he's shown me that he promises to love me and be with me always. That's great. And we truly do see God's promise always at work and working in many ways. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing your story. And, you know, we absolutely. You know, God reveals his promise, his promises so many times. He reveals them in the present in the future, and for all eternity. He's constantly revealing his promises. And in his promises, he's always revealing he's with us. He's our deliverer. He's by our side. You know, several years ago, my family and I went on a, uh, on a vacation to a wooded area in a cabin. And this area had a, a small river that went, that went through it. It was a great swimming, swimming spot and just hangout spot. And we went as a family with our friends that were with us and to go swimming in that area. And I remember sitting there along the shore in the water, just watching the boys and their friends play and, th and throw the balls and play fetch with each other and all that stuff the boys do in the water. And I was watching them because I knew the current. Where we were, we're kind of off the current to make sure they were okay. And then it happened. I saw one of my young boys get caught by the current I saw him begin to drift back, and I saw the panic begin to take over his eyes, that in that moment, he lost control, and he was drifting away. And I quickly jumped up, and I swam as fast as I could to him. I grabbed him. I threw him on my back, and I realized I was just on my tippy toes, and I was doing everything I could to fight the current to get back upstream, and we made it. But it made me really think, you know, rivers really aren't the safest place to swim, but it also made me think about life. Life is a lot like rivers. You know, a river, you go downtown, you look at the rivers and you see, it seems so calm. It seems so peaceful. I can do this. But yet every river has a strong undercurrent that is just waiting to wreak havoc for anybody who jumps in. And so is life. So often in life, it, it just seems that everything seems calm and cool and collected in our area of where we feel comfortable, in our area of where we think things are normal, in our places where we think we are safe. It just seems right. Yet in our safety, in our normalcy, in our comfort level, we are so blinded by the undercurrent that's in the world that can just pull us away and rip us apart. Be it in those moments, God's there. In those moments, 
Emmanuel, God is with us. He is our deliverer and he will come rescue us in our brokenness. He will sit by us in our sense of isolation. He will be with us when we just don't know which way to go and he will walk us through. He is the deliverer. In the New Testament, it's written about this, Jesus in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, this baby, this manger, that had this beautiful, innocent, wonderful baby who was called Emmanuel, God with us. Ultimately, he was born to die. His pathway to righteousness for us, his pathway to be our deliverer was the cross. And and God gave his most precious thing to us, the most greatest gift For God so loved the world, he gave his son so that we have the opportunity to to live so we can be free. And please understand this. Jesus did not come to this world to condemn the world. He came to the world to save it. In our brokenness, in our pain, in our isolation, in our moments of uncertainty, Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And he's given us an opportunity to be free. And I hope that if you're sitting there and you're wondering, what's this mean to me? You know, let us know. If you're here in the in, in house, grab a connect card. Let us know and put it in the offerings boxes on the way out. If you're online, let us know. We want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about what it means to experience God with us, his righteousness. He gave this gift to us. He gave us his presence. And you know what his greatest ask in return? Is for us to invest our presence in him. That's what he desires. That gift is our presence to be connected with his presence. And that's why he came. And that's what he desires. And that's the hope that he wants to give to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a good God. And Lord, in this moment, it's so easy to overlook the reality that you are there with us. In our brokenness, in our hurt, in whatever we are experiencing, and even in our joys, we tend to overlook you. But Lord, as we look at this manger, may we see you. May we see that your presence is here. And Lord, we praise you because you came to us. And Lord God, may we just invest our presence. May our gift be our presence to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.